Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Today's episode is sponsored by Geeklery. Geeklery is a curated collection of artisan-made jewelry and goods inspired by our favorite fandoms and things in pop culture. My personal favorite thing about Geeklery is that they have so many one-of-a-kind or limited edition products that their collection changes all the time. They also donate 5% of their sales to Pop Culture Classroom, which is working to inspire a love of learning, increase literacy, celebrate diversity, and build community through the tools of pop culture. If you want to check them out, go to geeklery.com and follow them all over the internet at Geeklery. Before the episode, we want to take a second to thank our Patreon supporters. If you didn't know this already, Patreon is the main way that we have any money at the Sartorial Geek. It's how we pay to have these episodes edited and hosted and pay our staff. Um, And we're really trying to grow that this year. So if you want to join these lovely people, please head to patreon.com slash Sartorial Geek and you'll see a range of rewards from $3 to $25 and everything in between. So this week, we want to thank Stephanie, Aletta, Kit, Amanda, Laura, and Sophia. We appreciate you so much, and we hope you all enjoyed the episode. Hey, welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast. I'm Jordan Ellis of Jordan Today, and today I am here with Scott Barber. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we are talking about you are the co-director of a film that came out that is called The Orange Years, The Nickelodeon Story. So we're just going to kind of like geek out about the film and Nickelodeon, um, which I am super excited about. It's a fun thing to do. And even after doing it for like all these years while we were working on the film, I still love to just geek out about 80s and 90s Nickelodeon. It's very magical. Well, and it's fun too, because like, now that I mean, I probably everyone listening is an adult. And so like now that we're all adults, thinking back to what we enjoyed as kids is so different (laughs) than when you're in it as a kid. And that's kind of what this film is, right? It's like a look at what Nickelodeon did and like, yeah, what that network did for kids and entertainment, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of looking at you said it perfectly, just taking a look at something that you loved as a kid, but now through the eyes of an adult. And kind of one of the things that Adam, my co-director on this, and I really wanted to do was kind of dissect, is it the nostalgia talking there? Or was this something that genuinely was special? You know, I think everybody kind of always thinks that, you know, the music or the clothing or whatever was the best when they were young. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) always does, you know, Uh, whether it's the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It's always like that's when music was the best or that's when TV or film was the best. It's always when you were young, when it was like your movement. And that's kind of what we wanted to look at, you know, because there are certainly some things that I look at as an adult that I was into as a kid that I'm like, wow, this really didn't hold up. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's very true. And I still hold a fondness for it, but it is 100% nostalgia. And I think that, you know, Adam and I really, of course, spoiler alert, feel that Nickelodeon is not that, that it is much more than just nostalgia. And we wanted to kind of dive into why is it that people have this strong reaction to 80s and 90s Nickelodeon? That's so awesome. And I think you're right. Like, I do feel like especially during this quarantine time, people have been sort of 
reverting to like comfort things and nostalgia. I mean, you know, just nostalgia about being able to go outside, but then also kind of like <laughs> to our childhood and binging and rewatching things. And so I, you know, there has been a lot of that kind of seeing what has held up and what hasn't. And I do feel like a ton of shows from Nickelodeon, like definitely held up and they're still very fun to watch and think about. Yeah, I completely agree. Our documentary, it is a feel-good film. It's an uplifting film of kind of some crazy underdogs that the world told them they couldn't, and they said, we can, and I'm going to do it, and they did. <laughs> and um, the film actually was finished back in 2018, and we wish it could have came out sooner. But looking at it, like you were saying, you know, it, everybody's in quarantine and looking for comforting things. We actually kind of thought about it and we're like, wow, this is actually the perfect time for it to come out because our film is, it's not scandalous. It's not negative. We're not trying to do like a TMZ expose on anybody. It's just about how Geraldine Laybourne, the president, awesome trailblazer, uh, president of Nickelodeon, just was basically awesome <laughs> and did a lot of really great things and created a really great team and lifting her up because she is a behind the camera person. So you know, you have this whole generation of people that fell in love with her work, but don't know who she is because, you know, it's not like she was on the channel, you know, she was behind it all. And I love that too. Like one of my favorite things about this podcast is talking to people who are like behind the camera or behind the scenes or behind things, because we all know the people who are in the spotlight, but there are so many people who are incredibly important yeah. doing work that maybe no one really knows about. So that's very cool. That's what your documentary showcases. Yeah, it was an awesome experience. And, and honestly, that's whenever, when Adam and I found out about Geraldine Laybourne, that's when we really wanted to do it. We had kind of been kicking around ideas for, you know, a documentary project. And Nickelodeon was one that we're like, oh, that could be kind of cool. But once we found out about her, we're like, oh, that's the story because the world has to know who this person is. I mean, the world already does. It's not like it's a secret. There's a lot of people out there that say, I love 90s Nickelodeon. Right. But then you say, oh, Geraldine Laybourne. And they go, what, who? Especially because as kids, you don't tend to know like the adults behind the camera. <laughs> so. 100%. Yeah, why would you, you know? You're exactly right. And when we found out that it was like the same person that was the president of Nickelodeon all the way from you can't do that on television and Double Dare, all the way to all that and Keenan and Kel, like it was like, wow, this person shaped an entire, I don't even want to say generation. It's kind of like a couple of generations there. Yeah. You know, it's like generation X and millennials, you know, all the way from like 1985 to like the late nineties. Like that's a long time. So it's not like she did one good show or had a couple of years. It was a couple of decades of awesomeness. That's so amazing. I watched the trailer and it's so cool how many people were involved in this. Like it was nostalgic <laughs> just watching the trailer. I was like, oh my God, I haven't thought about, I mean, some of the people yeah. I think about often because they're still doing a lot. And some people I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about, you know, these actors in a while. And kind of to your point that you made, you know, the behind the scenes people, we knew that the behind the scenes people, the writers, the directors, the creators were where we were going to get our story. And we were going to get some of the really interesting bites because they created the show, you know, as opposed to when you talk to an actor that was also nine, 10, 11 right. years old, <laughs> right. they can certainly talk about what their experience was. But when you're like, what was the inspiration? What was the catalyst for making this? You know, what were you trying to say with the show? They're like, I don't know. I mean, my mom took me on an audition. I was in second grade. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But to kind of counter that, we knew we needed them because that's what would bring eyes to the table because it is awesome to get to see all these people 
we knew that would be great for people. You know, you see, oh, there's Pete and Pete. There's the Are You Afraid of the Dark people. There's Mark Summers. There's Keenan and Kel. We knew that there's Melissa Joan Hart. We knew when people saw that, that's what would be like, oh, I got to see what they have to say. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. The behind the scenes people could give you the sound bites and then the, uh, you know, the in front of the camera people could kind of give you that warm feeling and kind of that's what would bring people to the table. I guess I'm saying that. Yeah, and that's a good, having both is really important. Like, I feel like a good documentary, that's like the whole story. <laughs> you need you need the in front of and behind the camera. And like something you said earlier that I keep thinking about is, I feel like I have never in my life wanted more like wholesome content than I have in right. the past year. Because normally, you know, normally I want entertainment to like do different things. And in the past year, especially, I like just want something that feels good and that is like happy and is nice. And I feel like this is the perfect, like this is that vibe, which is nice because there's enough to be stressed about. Right totally, now. right? Nice to watch something nice. That's funny that you say that, you know, I have been going through the same thing where, you know, I'm a huge fan of lots of dark stuff, you know, introspective stuff. Yeah. And just lately, I've really been wanting to watch things that are just kind of you know, have a good message and are lighthearted and, and make you feel good. Absolutely. Like there is still good in the world. <laughs> it's funny because none of this was intentional. You know, we started making this film back in 2017. We basically filmed it in 2017 and then did all of our post-production work in 2018 and then debuted at a really great film festival called Doc NYC in 2018. And then it just took a while to get it out and really... Adam and I were talking about that and we're like, this is really kind of perfect because, you know, that was our goal. When there's so much craziness going on in the world, you know, sometimes you feel like you can't make change. You want to help. You want to do things. And it's like, I kind of had to make peace with, like, I guess, being a kind of a modern day court jester <laughs> can yeah. at least make people smile. And that's what we really wanted. It's like, I hope that this documentary just someone goes, man, that kind of made me smile. You know, that if we did this before, maybe we can do this again. You know, maybe if it brings just a little bit of joy to somebody, then I feel like I did something. <laughs> no, I totally get that. And I've also seen, I don't have kids, but I have a lot of friends with kids. And I feel like families have been spending more time together <laughs> than they ever have in our generation, at least. And I've seen a lot of parents like passing on stuff that they enjoy to their kids. And so I bet this is fun for a lot of families too to like watch together or to like have, you know, for us to remember the stuff we loved as kids. And then a lot of those shows are accessible on like streaming services now to be able to like share that is very cool. Yeah, I hope so. Because, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, like, for example, Kel Mitchell, who was part of the extremely popular duo, <laughs> Keenan and Kel, he's kind of has two sets of fans. Well, he's got multiple sets of fans. But, you know, like, I know him as Keenan and Kel, Kel Mitchell, you know, Kel Kimball was right. his character's <laughs> name on the show. But he was on a Nickelodeon show recently called Game Shakers. You know, he kind of talked to us about that, how it's kind of crazy how, you know, there'll be a mom and dad who know him from Good Burger and then their kids know him from Game Shakers. So I think that's kind of cool. And we kind of found that like a lot of these people who used to work at Nickelodeon have kind of come back around and work there again. So maybe parents and kids can, you know, kids can kind of see where some of the things that are on Nickelodeon to this very day, where they came from. You know, like the slime. The slime, they're doing the Kids' Choice Awards, and it just got announced that the host of the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards this year is going to be Kenan Thompson. Amazing. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. 
And they still slime people on that show. In the commercial for it, it's Kanan getting slimed. And in the documentary, we, we talk about where Nickelodeon got that tradition of sliming people. So, you know, maybe it is something that kids and their parents can watch together and both get something slightly different out of. It's also just so funny to think about that now as an adult, because like, obviously, as a kid, like slime was the coolest. And I always like wished I could just, you know, have slime everywhere and like, throw it on everyone. And now I'm like, that's disgusting. Right. But I loved it. And it's, it's just like this universal, like kids just love gross, weird stuff. And it, it's amazing. And to have a network that let them do that is so great. It just shows they tapped into something so primal about children that what's up with that? Like it was supposed to be a punishment, but it was just something that everybody wanted to get slime. (laughs) I want slime. I can remember watching, there's a show called You Can't Do That on Television. And it's kind of an older show. It's one of the first ones we really go into in the documentary. Nickelodeon didn't actually create it. They licensed it from Canada, but it kind of gave them a lot of the tropes that you would see Nickelodeon play with all throughout the 80s and 90s. They kind of got from that show. And Green Slime was one of them. And I can remember as a kid just wishing I could be on that show and wishing like I could get that slime dumped on my head. Totally. I, and yeah, you're right. As an adult, you're like, that sounds horrible. Like, right. then I have to, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to change? Am I going to have to take a shower? Like, that would be awful. Which like, I guess it doesn't actually make me sad. But like, now I'm thinking back. I'm like, oh, I would have been the adult that's like, oh, this is gross now. <laughs> like thinking about all those shows. And uh, it would definitely be more of a, punishment now than it would have been as a kid but (laughs) (laughs) right that's so fun though while you were making it was it just like nostalgia heaven working on a project like this like personally was it just so cool to go back in time and like relive all those childhood memories it really was I mean the amount of people that we got in this documentary is really pretty crazy and You know, we had a pretty small budget to make the film happen. We crowdfunded originally. Oh, amazing. You know, there's no big studio behind it. It was just a couple of people that got started and then a couple more people came on. But there's no big budget. It's just, you know, me and Adam and then some producers that kind of made this thing happen. And then, of course, all of our awesome Indiegogo backers. Yeah, that's great. We knew we had to make it count. So when we would go to Los Angeles, we would book like five interviews in a day and just stay for like four or five days and just knock it out. And then we went to New York and did the same thing. Or it was like five interviews in one day. So over the course of two or three days, you know, you're meeting like 20 people that you grew up watching all of them <laughs> all wow, at once. Yeah. So it was like overload. And sometimes we had to kind of stop and pinch ourselves and go, this is crazy. Like all these yeah. people that we're meeting, it's just insane. And just when you thought it couldn't get any crazier or cooler, it would, you know, when we got to meet Keenan Thompson, that was really, really cool. Imagine. That's so cool. We got to interview also on that same trip in New York, uh, Larissa Olenek, who was on The Secret World of Alex Mack. That's one that people really go nuts for. And it makes sense because it was just an awesome show. And Nickelodeon did a really awesome thing of there was a weird, I call it a superstition that boys wouldn't watch shows with girls as the lead back in the 80s. That sounds right. Yeah, (laughs) That's what they believed. And, and, And Clarissa shattered that. Clarissa Explains It All shattered that. But I think Alex Mack, you know, I was a real big geeky, nerdy kid. I loved the X Men. And so when Alex Mack, she was kind of a superhero, not really, but, you know, she had powers, she could 
kind of do the T1000, like turn into liquid and she could do telekinesis. And I just love that show. And I think everybody did. Boys, girls, everybody loved that show. And to get to meet her was pretty amazing. And she actually came to our premiere. That's so cool. And just kind of hung out with us. How unkind is that to give up her time and come to our premiere? And we did a little Q&A afterwards and she was there. And then, yeah, we all kind of went out to celebrate in New York and she hung out with us for hours afterwards. And it was just very, very surreal. Stories like that make me so happy too. Because like, you know, I spent a lot of time in the Comic-Con circuit and sometimes people you love are as great as you think they'll be. And sometimes they aren't. So anytime there's a story where someone is like, a genuinely amazing person, which you thought they would be by their work is like, it makes my heart so happy. (laughs) That's so great. I'm glad you bring that up because that's a point that I like to make with this is, you know, we interview like 30 or 40 people in this documentary. And like you said, when you meet your heroes, sometimes they're awesome and sometimes they're not, you know, and we kept thinking just out of sheer numbers, eventually we would run into that bad Right. Setting yourself up for the reality. Yeah. (laughs) There's going to be somebody that's going to be kind of a jerk. And there never, ever was. So cool. I chalked that all up to Geraldine Laybourne, who created whatever, there's got to be a word for it, whatever the opposite of a toxic work environment is. Absolutely. That's what she created. She set the culture and then she hired writers, directors, and creators who continued it who then hired actors who carried that on. Because everybody that we interviewed was, I mean, just so great. And a lot of the people that were the biggest were also very nice. You know, like I always like to mention Kenan Thompson. If anybody who could be kind of a little bit of a rock star, like that guy could. Like if that guy was kind of a a little bit of a rock star. he's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, like if he was like, come on, guys, I got like 10 minutes. Come on, go, go, go. Like I would be like, you know what? You can actually, you actually can act like that because... You're a a huge deal. He was like so incredibly kind, so incredibly kind, so awesome. Didn't need anything, you know, was just very chill, gave us a lot of his time. Everybody was like that. And I was just blown away that there was nobody that was hard to deal with or a jerk. Especially in the entertainment industry, like it's not a notoriously like lovely (laughs) industry to be in. So that really speaks volumes, like you said, to like the culture and the, I guess, the people who were chosen to work on those projects and like how they treated each other. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't want to like try to paint a picture that's not true, but it was amazing. And you know, there is, there was the creator of Ren and Stimpy did turn out to be a not good person. But, you know, this was all before a lot of things came to light when we were making this documentary. And he treated us like crap and wouldn't uh, do an interview with us anyway. So it worked out good. It worked out well. He was the only one. There might have been people afterwards, but we were, again, we were just dealing with the Geraldine Laybourne years. Yeah. So some people have said, oh, what about this person? It's like, well, that's, I'm not researched on that because we're careful not to say it's a golden age Nickelodeon doc because the golden era is different for everybody. Ours is like her era. When she came in and when she left, that's when our film comes to a conclusion. That's nice, though, because then it's an unemotional like chunk of time. Like It's not just like, these are the years I thought were best. It's like, no, we're following a person and her journey here. Exactly. Yeah. That was a really huge relief Like when we, kind of, when we, when we figured it out. Because like, well, how do we end it? It's like, well, when she leaves, it's over. Because, you know, I think there are some great shows that have come out of Nickelodeon after that, for sure. So it's like we wanted to be really careful to not be 
you know, those guys that are getting older and are trying to say that, you know, all the stuff. Talking that, about the glory days and that's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I hate it. Um, and so it really is just, it's her tenure. And also it really just the actual story, the way that it happened just kind of was a nice little bow for us because she leaves at the time Nickelodeon became an, a juggernaut. And that's what we're trying to say is, you know, now we look at Nickelodeon and it's on par with Disney, PBS, anything else. We're showcasing how they got there. So, you know, we kind of end it with her leaving. And also there's the fact that at that point, Nickelodeon is more like what it is now, you know, a genuine juggernaut. SpongeBob is equal to Mickey Mouse in the eyes of children. Totally. And also like, it's hard to make, I mean, your film obviously has an ending, like it is made and it's over and Nickelodeon is still happening. So (laughs) you need some type of like way to end that. So that makes a lot of sense yeah, to me. Yeah. Because it's obviously still going. Like there will be new stories. Totally. Yeah. Can't have a continuous <laughs> documentary. That's not really the way it works. So that totally makes sense. Did you have any like surprise or like favorite moments while you were making this? You know, my personal favorite moment was when we got to interview Geraldine Laybourne. Yeah. You know, she took Nickelodeon from a struggling channel that realistically probably would have gone under in five years. And instead of going under, instead took it the complete opposite way and it became what it is now. And then she went over to the Disney Channel and was president of the Disney Channel for a while and took their network to great heights. And then she founded, after that, she was like, I want to do my own thing. And so she founded the Oxygen Network with Oprah. I did not know that. Wow. So she's just like one of those people that's just on another level. When you're in the presence of somebody that's like really a visionary, a revolutionary, someone that changed, I mean, she changed the world. Cartoons were only on Saturday morning. And now, you know, there's Nickelodeon as well as Cartoon Network. And there's all these really cool creator driven shows like Steven Universe and stuff like that. And there wasn't that before. It was not a thing. And it's so that's one thing that we try to show is all these things that are big and we take for granted now, we kind of owe it to this awesome team. We did not think we were going to get to interview her, even though her interview is kind of the through line. We talk about all the different things and her interview kind of carries the whole documentary. And we actually were preparing to make, she was the last one of the last people that we interviewed. And in fact, we thought we weren't even going to get her. We thought it's just not going to happen. So we're going to have to tell her story without her interview, which, you know, has been done. It's not as cool, but there are documentaries where, you know, it's about somebody and that person isn't interviewed. And we were like, oh, well, sorry, it's not going to happen. And then we got word that she would do it. And it was so awesome. How amazing. If you make a whole documentary basically about someone and then you actually get, get to, meet to her. speak for them, that's amazing. That's what it was like. That's whenever I kind of almost wasn't able to hold it together. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, one, just who she is to be in her presence. And then also, yeah, I mean, I had been like researching her and working on this project that's Learning about- everything about this person. <laughs> yeah, like two years at that point. And then, yeah, then we get to meet her. And it was kind of a crazy story. It was on the set of that show, The Goldbergs, is where we interviewed her. So that made it all the more (laughs) surreal. And she was just the nicest, most awesome person ever. And so that was the high point of already a bunch of other high points. Yeah, That was my favorite part. I was really, really, really happy that we got to interview her. And her interview was everything I could want it to be and so much more. So That's so awesome. Yeah, that was my favorite for sure. That's such a good favorite. <laughs> <That's perfect. laughs> 
So if anyone is listening and dying to watch this right now, how can people like find it? How can people follow you guys and what's going on? Where should people go? So we're working with an awesome distribution company called Gravitas. And they have got this film pretty much anywhere you can rent or buy digital films. So iTunes, Amazon, you can watch it on YouTube, Redbox Digital, Fandango, like they've really done a great job of pretty much anywhere you can rent or buy digital movies, you can do it. And on Amazon and Target.com, you can buy a physical copy like a DVD or a a Blu-ray, if you still do that kind of thing, which I'm a nerd. (laughs) That's your favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I still do. You know, I like having a physical copy of things. So yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. And, you know, we have at the Orange Years on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Really, Instagram is where we are most active. You know, we'll post pictures and sometimes we'll do giveaways. Like we got a bunch of neat stuff. As we were meeting all these people, we collected some cool stuff. So we'll do cool giveaways and stuff like that on our Instagram. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun, like, now I'm just thinking about all these shows I watched as kids and I want to just go like spend my night reliving my childhood through Nickelodeon. This has been <laughs> so fun. It's so nice to meet you. And I'm really excited to watch this. this yeah, stuff. this is awesome. Very nice to meet you as well. And thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for geeking out with me about, uh, you know, nostalgic Nickelodeon. Oh, man, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. If you want to hear more like this, you can subscribe to the Sartorial Geek Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or a review or head to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek. Thank you so much. Have a great day.